1: So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S.
2: From KQED.
1: Earlier this week on Wednesday, we told you the story of a woman, Kayla Swaim, who lost and rebuilt her home in Santa Rosa's Coffee Park neighborhood one year later. A lot of people are choosing to rebuild in the same neighborhoods that were hit by these massive fires. And that has us wondering, should they?
0: Will something like this happen again in 50, 60, 70, 80 years? Probably, but hopefully it will never get this big again.
1: So would you rebuild in a place that's burned before? And should the city allow it? I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to The Bay.
2: I talked to Paul right outside his new house.
0: So that was the laundry room. This will be my daughter's um, kind of artwork area and homework desk. Lauren Summer is a KQED science reporter. She met up with this
1: firefighter, Paul Lowenthal, whose home burned just north of Santa Rosa.
2: It's under construction. Drywall's just about to go in, so you can really see that it's almost a home.
0: Final closing inspections within the next couple of days, so hopefully sheetrock will start going up um, by the middle of next week at the latest.
2: It's been a long road to get here. Tell me,
1: Tell me the story about that night of the fire.
2: Paul was at home, and he got the call to come into work. He said about 10.45 at night. He literally grabbed his uniform, got in his truck, and drove away. They're on their PA systems, their sirens are on there, literally yelling at people to get out of their homes as the embers are kind of flying into people's yards. You know, as he's driving north, he realizes he's actually pretty close to where he lives, the Larkfield neighborhood.
0: I remember very distinctively seeing Willie's Wine Bar completely involved in fire. And um, as I continued to get closer and closer to my neighborhood, um, you know, power lines were coming down, trees were coming down, there was fire on both sides of the road, and I looked off to my right, and you couldn't actually make out individual homes in here. It just looked like an entire wall of fire.
2: He looks over and realizes that his house is in there, and it must be gone. Jeez, okay. So none of his neighbors made it either.
0: It was kind of a punch in the stomach for what seemed like just a split second.
2: He thought about if there's anything he could do. He's a firefighter. I mean, and he realized very quickly, like, no.
0: Anything he could do for his home.
2: Yeah, there's nothing he could do for his home. And he had to go back to work.
0: There's nothing I can do for my house. My, mm-hmm. I got to do my job.
1: Cal Fire sets these fire boundaries that basically say homes in the fire zone should be protected. Paul's home was outside of this zone. Do we know how many homes burned that were outside these boundaries like Paul's?
2: Of all the homes that burned in the Tubbs fire, about 5,000 structures lost. Almost 2,000 of them we're outside of these designated wildfire zones, the zones they think are the most risky for wildfires. So when you look at a map, you see these kind of shaded areas are red and orange. You know, that's where they think the fire risk is the highest. That's where these new building codes apply. But almost 2,000 of the homes that burned are not in those shaded areas. They're outside of it, even though it's, it's clear, but they did burn.
1: And that's where Paul Lowenthal's home was outside
0: of that boundary.
2: Yeah, he's right outside.
0: You know, there was a lot of discussion really early on and concerns from our community, especially in Santa Rosa, that Coffee Park should be included in the wildland interface because it was affected by the wildfire. The reality of it is is that's not, you know, that's not what Coffee Park was. Coffee Park was not in the wildland interface.
2: So when they rebuild, they don't have to use these wildfire building codes. They don't have to use fire resistant materials necessarily. Now, Paul Knowing what he knows about fire is doing that. He's putting in siding, that's cement fiber siding. He's using a fire-resistant roof.
0: What kind of fencing are you using? How close is your fence to your structure? What kind of vegetation and trees are you planting up and around your, your home? Um, maintenance.
2: But not everybody is, he says. Some of his neighbors are not. And it's more expensive.
0: Well, I was going to say, it sounds
1: very expensive to do this kind of thing, let alone just rebuild your house in general.
2: You know, they're already dealing with so many headaches, finding contractors, trying to get these homes built, trying to figure out where they're going to live. I mean, they're dealing with a lot.
0: Uh, it's been crazy. It's, you know, it is hard to believe that we're almost approaching, you know, a year from um, from those October fires. Um, but it's incredible to see how much work has been done um, locally and around the county um, to to rebuild.
2: Santa Rosa estimated they were short about 5,000 housing units before the fire you're adding 3,000 homes lost to that. And so there's a huge push to put in new housing on top of what's already being rebuilt.
1: Where's that housing gonna be going?
2: This is the huge debate that's going on in this community right now. The city council has is really pushing for housing downtown. They know that's where a lot of people wanna live. It's also where the fire risk is the lowest. The housing need is so great that most people think they're going to have to put housing outside of the downtown area. And the city council was tested on this already. They faced down this question earlier this year.
0: And we'll go to 15.2,
2: Mr. McGlynn. 15.2, public hearing, Round barden Village Project, mitigated... There's a proposed development... It's about 237 new townhomes. So just to orient us, uh, the project site is located in the northern portion of Santa Rosa at Round Barn Circle off of Fountain Grove Parkway. Right on a spot in town that burned in the Tubbs fire. So, you know, the developer gets up to talk about these new townhomes. One of the best ways to address affordability is to build homes, meeting demand with supply. They say they're going to be built with these wildfire building codes, so they'll be fire resistant. They're going to put in good evacuation plan, and it's going to provide much needed affordable housing for the area. So our commitment is to help in the little ways that we can. This is just one project. A lot of city council members were very receptive to that. I think this is an example of the difficulty that a community goes through, not only when it needs large amounts of housing, which we, which we do historic, at historic levels. So um, I am supportive of making the, zo- the zoning change. And, and I know that the- one city council member, just one, had some serious doubts.
0: Who's, who wants to go first? Ms. Combs.
2: We are setting a precedent to build more new housing in a fire hazard area when we vote today. Julie Combs was kind of the sole voice in saying this is an area that just burned and maybe we should think about whether we really want to put pe- more people there. I just think we need to not put more sleeping people in a fire hazard area. You know, they took the vote and they approved the zoning change and that was kind of it.
0: That passes 6-1-1. Ms. Combs voting no.
1: I feel like this is pitting two of the hugest issues we have in California right now fires and housing. And it's almost pitting them against each other.
2: We've had a pattern in the Bay Area of growing out, of sprawling. It doesn't really matter where you live in the Bay Area, you are very close to a fire zone or you're in a fire zone. We forget that a lot. And so as we've been adding and growing outward, we're putting more people in the path of fires. You know, what Santa Rosa is going through is a real test of how do you make good decisions about the future at the most traumatic time in your community when people just want back what they had. And right after the fires, there were a lot of people in the Bay Area that said, should these people be rebuilding in a wildfire zone? And a lot of people took that really personally. That's really hard to hear when your life is in tatters. But that's the key question, I think, that we do need to be thinking about. I mean, to me, it's the story of climate change in California. We're going to see more floods. We're going to see more fires. You have to make decisions for the next 40 or 50 years that could potentially be putting people in a very risky place. That's incredibly hard.
1: So they're making some of the biggest decisions in the most emotionally charged time.
2: Yeah, it's incredibly hard.
0: Pretty
1: excited to be moving on to the next step.
2: Yeah, let me say your name.
1: So Paul Lowenthal is this firefighter who lost his home a year ago, had some fire protections in place at his home, which wasn't required to have any fire protections. Is he choosing to
2: stay in
1: the same location and rebuild?
2: He thought about whether to stay or go. Yes,
0: that is an area that's burned once before, um, twice before. For him, it came down to two things.
2: One, he knew the demand on the housing market was going to be even worse after the fire. You've got so many more people looking for places to live. But it also had a lot to do with his daughter. It was really hard for her. And he wanted to give her back what she lost.
0: My daughter was pretty adamant about wanting to rebuild here, wanting to have her chicken coop back, wanting to have her chickens back. Um, And as a father, you know, could I have convinced her that we can live in a really cool place somewhere else? Maybe. Um, But this was our home. And um, this is where uh, we were before the fires, and this is where we want to be after the fires.
1: I find it so interesting that a firefighter has all this information, has been through something like this, is is making the decision to stay. Does he think that another fire is going to happen
2: in that same area? He knows another fire will happen. The Tubbs fire was almost an exact repeat of the Hanley Fire, which came through more than 50 years ago, burned almost exactly the same area.
0: No one wants to have a disaster, but if we're gonna have it, we're gonna learn from it. And we're, gonna, we're gonna better ourselves based on it.
2: He knows this is an area that's gonna burn again, but I, it's a dilemma. It's a dilemma for everybody.
1: Cal Fire is in the middle of redrawing its maps that say which neighborhoods should be in fire zones. Drafts of those maps are expected sometime next year. The Bay is produced by Erica Aguilar and our editor, Vinny Tong, who had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Vinny. We also got help this week from Ashley-Ann Krigbaum. Theme music is by Dowd Anthony. Julie Kane is KQED's podcast manager. Senior editors are Holly Kernan and Ethan Lindsay. I'm Devin Kadiyama. You've been listening to The Bay. We'll talk to you Monday.